going to be a lot of fun. Okay, this week, we're concluding 50 days of transformation. You say, oh, let's try that again. Let's try that again. This week, we're concluding 50 days of transformation. Yeah, see, that's, that's, that's a lot better. I want us to look at how, how we face the giants in life and at work. How can we face the giants in our lives at life and at work? Today, we're going to end with the vocational health. You know, with your life and your work, how, how can we be vocationally healthy? See, you have the ability to dream. It's a God-given gift. God gave you the ability to see the past that's called our memories, But God also gave us the ability. He has given us the ability to visualize and to imagine the future. And that's called dreaming. We have the ability to dream of a limitless future. We have the ability to set goals and to look at our lives and say, God, you created me. You designed me. What do you want me to do with my life? God, what is my purpose? And that's really dreaming of the future. When you're afraid to dream of your future or when you're afraid to fulfill the dreams that you have in your heart, I call that giants in the path. They're giants in your path. These giants could be financial, they could be emotional, they could be relational, they could be mental, they could be physical. But they're holding you back from fulfilling what God has for you. So how do we face the giants in our, in our life and in our work? How do we overcome the giants that we have to face every single day? Fortunately, we have a wonderful story in the Bible that teaches us, that tells us, that inspires us, that shows us how to deal with the giants in our lives. And it's the story of David and Goliath. Most of you have heard this story. Um, I think everyone in this room has probably heard the story of David and Goliath. Let me read, let me read it from 1 Samuel chapter 7. I'm going to read part of it here. It says, Now the Philistines had gathered their forces for war. They occupied one hill and the Israelites another, with the valley between them. A champion named Goliath from Gath came out from the Philistine camp. He was a giant of a man wearing a bronze, a huge bronze helmet and a coat of bronze armor that weighed over 125 pounds. He also wore bronze leggings and and slung a huge bronze javelin over his back. The iron spearhead alone weighed 15 pounds and a soldier with a large shield always walked in front of Goliath. So many of you have heard the story and you, you understand the outline of the story. Saul, King, King Saul, is king of Israel at this time. And he gets wind that the Philistines are coming to attack. And so he gathers his army and they march down the mountain to confront the Philistine army. The two sides come together, okay, and they meet in the valley of Elah. The Israelites are encamped in one hill. They occupy one hill and the Philistines occupy the other hill. And there they sit. Staring at each other. For days. In a stalemate. Neither one wants to come down out of the mountains because they're pretty smart. 
because no one wants to put themselves in a vulnerable position of being in the valley of Ella in the, in the, open, in the open area where the others could use the, their height to their advantage in, in the hill country. So they just basically are ones on one hillside, ones on the other hillside in the mountains, and they're staring at each other. Well, the Philistines, after a while, decide, man, this is getting out of hand. We're getting sick and tired of staring at the Israelites. And so, so they, they, finally, they finally have had enough, and they send a mighty warrior, Goliath, down to the valley floor. And Goliath comes out. And, and he says, we're going to settle this once and for all. And the way they're going to settle this is, it's basically a tradition in ancient times, nothing that, that's uh, out of place here. Goliath says, we're going to have a one-on-one battle, okay? It's going to be our strongest guy against your strongest guy. So they send this, this giant Goliath down to the valley floor, and he calls out the Israelites, And again, this is nothing new. I mean, it's nothing that's not traditional in ancient times. What they would do is they'd send their mightiest warrior and you'd send your mightiest warrior and they would fight. And whoever wins that battle, that's who wins the war. I like that, to tell you the truth. I think we have a lot less wars, especially if the leaders of the countries had to fight. They're the ones who had to fight. You know what I'm saying? There'd be a whole lot less wars. Or if they had to pick one of their children to go out into war and fight the other person, then we'd have a lot less wars. But in this case, you pick your biggest monstrous guy who's, uh, you know, is expert at warfare, and the other side picks their guy, and you go out and you have a battle. So they have this giant standing on the valley floor, and Goliath is screaming out to the armies of Israel, Come on! Send someone down here to fight me! Well... (laughs) None of the Israelites wanted to fight him because they, they didn't have the role, the guts to do it. I mean, this, this guy was, it was, they looked at him, they're like, this guy, he's, he's big, he's a giant, he's ferocious, he's covered from top to bottom in this armor. He, he's overwhelming. I mean, he is just so intimidating. He's a giant for goodness sake. So everyone was terrified except for this one kid. His name was David. And David wasn't terrified. So he comes to the king and he says, listen, I'll take care of this Philistine for you. I'll take care of this guy for you. And, and, and King Saul basically says, you, you're insane. You're just a boy. And David's response basically is, hey, I'm not insane. I'm a shepherd. And uh, I've, I've, I've taken my, my time on, in the field, if you will. I've, I take care of my sheep. I have killed lions and I've killed bear in my day. Okay, I can take care of this guy. So you got this teenage kid, if you will, who's ready to go. He's, he's fought lions and killed them. He's fought bear and killed them. And this Goliath is standing down there defiling God, if you will, constantly attacking God with his words. And David says, enough is enough. I'll go down and fight this Philistine. And everybody's like, man, that, 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 you're nuts. You're crazy. You're only a boy. So Saul decides, okay, we'll let you do it. Here's my armor. David puts the armor on for a second and says, you know what? I'm not used to this. This is not what I'm used to. This is not the kind of battles I fight. I'm not used to this. So he says, no, I don't, I don't want the armor. Instead, he picks up five smooth stones, all right, and puts them in his pouch. And he puts them in his, his, his pouch, and he marches down the side of the hill, down to the valley floor, to confront Goliath with his with his, his staff and his bag of rocks, basically. Goliath, the giant, looks at David and is just like, you've got to be joking. And here's what he says. He says, come to me. Come to me and I will, I, I, so that I might feed your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field, you little punk. 
Why don't you just come over here and let's get this over with real quick. David gets a little closer to Goliath and Goliath then realizes, wait a second, he doesn't even have a sword and a shield. And now Goliath is just insulted. It's insulting to him. They send this teenage kid down there without a sword, without a shield to face this mighty giant, this incredible warrior, the strongest warrior in the Philistine army, probably in the world at that time. And he says, you're sending a boy down to do a man's job? That's what you're sending against me? And he says to David, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? He's, he's just like, you've got to be joking me. David gets a little closer to him, and he's all decked out with his spear, and he's got, a, he's got the javelin, he's got his sword, he's got all stuff. And David says to him, I don't come at you with sticks. I come at you in the name of the Lord God Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel. That's who I'm coming at you with, okay? You big oaf, okay? Now, he's probably, you know he's teenagers. You know he's saying other things to him. You know what I'm saying? Ticking the guy off completely. He's probably doing some, you know, whatever he's doing, just, you know, a little sarcasm here and there. And, and Goliath is just infuriated that they would send this guy down there. And now he's mouthing off and saying, I don't need a sword. I come at you in the name of the Lord God Almighty. And then he reaches into his pouch. He pulls out that smooth stone. He puts it in his sling. He swings it around. And once he gets the, the good speed going, he lets it loose. It hits Goliath right in the, right between the eyes. And basically the Bible says that Goliath fell face First, right into the dirt. Poof. You can see this big, it's like, the bigger are, the harder they fall. And he slams his face onto the ground. David runs up, takes Goliath's sword, and cuts Goliath's head off. Right? And, and so Israel wins the day. And all the Philistines start running home. And Israel's up in the mountains. They're, 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 just, they're, they're, they're singing that song. Don't go crying to your mom. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I heard that song on the radio. I think it's really funny. But if they, if they did have that song, that's the song they'd be singing, right? Because they're all running off. They're like, yes, took care of that giant, took him down. And that's exactly so. David kills the giant. We've all heard that story a thousand times. But if you look a little closer at it, like I did the last couple of weeks, you look closer at the story. The more, the more I looked at it, the more I realized that there were some important points that I think that we miss in the story, okay? Well, we, 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 have it, we, we have it told to us one way, and, and so I think we miss some of, some of the important points of this incredible story. We use that story as a kind of a metaphor for stories of, uh, I would say, Im- improbable victories. That one in a million shot. The one in a million guy, David, you know, he was the complete underdog. He had no shot at winning this whatsoever. He probably went up there like shaking a little bit, whatever. And we have this idea that it's this improbable victory, one in a million, uh, one in a million shot. It never would happen ever again in the history of the world. But why do we call David a one in a million guy or one in a million shot or the probability is impossible for David? What a long shot for David to beat Goliath. Well, Let me give you a few reasons why we think that way. David is a boy, okay? David is a boy. He's a kid. He's a shepherd. And he's going up against an experienced warrior. I mean, a gigantic experienced warrior. That's a good reason. Number two, David's an average guy. Okay, David's, yeah, pick him out from the crowd. David's just an average guy. He's like me, you know, he, nothing, nothing uniquely special about his size or whatever else. So David's this average guy. 
And so we think average people can't take down giants, can they? I mean, it's just, you know, there's nothing really special about him. But the biggest reason I think that we think that way of David is being a long shot, an improbable long shot, is because Goliath, the way they describe Goliath, Goliath is this giant, okay? He is decked out from head to toe in this incredible armor, 125 pounds, and his, the spearhead itself weighed 15 pounds. And you think that's just, my gosh, how could anyone take this guy on? How could anyone possibly take him on? He had every weapon known to ancient warriors on his, on his being, if you will. So there he stands. He's got it all. And we think all David has is a sling. So let's start there. All David has is a sling. Okay? All David has is a sling. I think that's where we go a little bit wrong. Let's start with, the, let's start with that phrase, all David has is a sling. I, I, did a, I did a lot of study this last week on, on slingers, they call them. Ancient armies had what they call slingers, okay? These guys were pretty amazing. You know, you had the infantry guys, like Goliath was kind of an infantry guy. He had the big armor on, hand-to-hand combat, and he would have killed anyone, okay? That's why the Israelites were terrified, because they were thinking, because that's what Saul thought, give David the armor, send David down there to fight one-on-one with Goliath. David's like, that ain't happening, you know? So David said, I don't need your armor. That's what they're thinking, because you have the infantrymen, and that's the, that's the way you fight one-on-one to win the battle. David, you know, David didn't have all that. So you have this Goliath with all the stuff on. He's got all the weapons, everything that you need to be a champion. So what does David have? David has a, a sling. He's a slinger, if you will. A sling was a leather pouch, got a leather pouch, with two ropes on the end. And what they would do, would they, would, they would sling that, they would, take that, they would take a stone and they put it in the middle of the pouch and then they would swing that sling around and swing it around and sling it around. This was a lethal weapon, understand that. This wasn't, this wasn't any joke, this was a, a lethal weapon. They would swing it around and swing it around and then until they, until they let loose one of the ends of the, ro- the, the rope and that rock would be propelled forward. This was a lethal weapon. This was no joke. And the kind of rocks that are, are, are common in the Valley of Ella, too, were some heavy stones. So you have a heavy stone. You have a slinger who's capable of using it because he was a shepherd, and that's how he defended his flock. We know that an experienced slinger could rotate the sling. Listen, again, back up. This isn't a, a slingshot because we think David pulled out a slingshot. Or we, you, know, you know what it is, and you think, woo, the rock flew through the air. Okay? A slinger could swing this around six or seven times per second. Okay, so if you do the math there, as it rotated around and once he released it, it was going 35 meters per second, which I looked up is 78.3 miles per hour. So it's going almost 80 miles per hour, this rock, this heavy rock, small, heavy rock. So you have this 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 terribly lethal weapon. Goliath barely knows what happens. He didn't even know what happened before. He's got a rock planted right in the middle of his forehead. And he's dead. He hits the ground. David cuts off his head and the battle is over. Listen to this, just to give you an idea. An experienced slinger could knock a bird out of the air in flight. 
So you have this sling and the bird takes off and you're like, Ooh, bam, and you puff feathers. You know what I'm saying? They, they, that's how accurate they were. They could knock a bird in flight out of the air. So there was absolutely no question. We should have no question in our minds that David had a weapon capable of taking down this giant Goliath. In the Old Testament book of Judges, it says this. It says slingers, uh, they, they're described as, as, as being accurate, okay, within a, a hair's breadth. That's what it says in Judges. They're accurate within a hair's breadth. An experienced slinger, get this, could take that sling and could hit their target, either kill or wound their target from 200 yards. 200 yards. They were accurate up to 200 yards, could either kill or severely wound their target. 200 yards, knocking a bird out of the air. So here David has this weapon. He has this powerful weapon. Now, you got, I want you to picture this battle now. You have Goliath. Kaboom, 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 kaboom. He comes down there. He's all suited up. Okay, he's ready for battle. When we go, when I do Taekwondo, you have to put a helmet on, you have to put the thing on, you have to put your armbands on, you have to put your leg stuff on, you got to put this on, you got to put all the stuff on. And by the time you're done, you're like, oh, yeah, I'll kick you. You know what I mean? When you're when you don't have it on, you can dance around a little bit. When you have that on, it's a little bit harder to dance around because you're trying to protect yourself. But Goliath has this humongous uniform, if you will, on this suit of armor on. And he's standing there waiting for David to come to him. He expected, listen, he expected to have a battle with another infantryman. Right. This is what he's used to. My biggest guy, your biggest guy come down. He sees this little teenager. That's why he was ticked off. He's like, you don't even have a sword. Come over here so I can just. He basically, basic, he says, come on over here that I might feed your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Look, can we just get this over, you little punk? Come over here. That's the key phrase, okay? That's the one we have to pick out. Come to me, he said. Come to me. That means come right here. Come right here because we're going to have hand-to-hand combat. Giants, I'm not talking about Goliath. I'm talking about the giants in your life. The giants in your life want to fight on their terms. They want to fight their fight. They want to set up the rules of engagement and then you have to live by it. And that's how they win. They set up the rules of engagement. So he says, come to me. You come right here. David's thinking, I'm no idiot. Mama didn't raise no fool. I'm not coming over and fighting a guy twice my size, all dooted up like you are. That's not happening. Instead, David stands back and uses the weapon he's been trained to use his entire life. David uses this amazing shepherd's weapon. He knew how to use this. So here we have a guy, David, who's smart enough to change the rules of engagement and not tell his opponent. Goliath is waiting for one thing. David gives him another. He uses a weapon that he's used all of his life to fight off lions and bear, and they do an extremely good job at it as well. And here's the other thing. David has this weapon, right, that he's used all his life. David has already killed lion and bear, okay, to save his sheep. And there's something else that David had that Goliath didn't have. And David knew it. David was filled with the spirit of God. The spirit of God was with David. Okay, so David didn't go into this thinking that he was the prey. David went in thinking he was the predator. David didn't go in shaking his little rocks. A pack of rocks was like shaking in his pocket. I can see your rocks are shaking. He wasn't. He wasn't no rock shaking. He wasn't shaking at all. He walked in there. And he said, I come against you in the name of the God of Israel, the Lord God Almighty. 
That's how he went into the battle. He had God on his side. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. David had his weapon like Shamgar had his ox goat. David had his sling. And David was going to use that sling. God had given him everything he needed to defeat the giant. Remember that. God had given David everything that he needed to defeat the giant in his life. Just like he's given you everything you need to defeat the giants in your life. See, the thing is, you think you're a victim. You're playing the victim. You feel like a victim when those giants come at you. You feel like the prey just trying to survive. How am I going to do this? How am I going to overcome this? When the attitude you should have is that you're the predator, not the prey. You're not the victim. You're the one who's going to be victorious. Why? Because God is on your side. You are filled with the spirit of the living God. The crucified Christ lives in you. You have the Holy Spirit of God walking with you. David had all that. David knew what he was getting into. Goliath had no idea what he was getting into. Now, if you took someone else in the army of God and you put them against Goliath, all suited up, they get smashed, no question. But David had no intention of being smashed. David had every intention of being the one who was going to smash. What the Israelites, listen, this is key. What the Israelites saw from high up on the hill was someone who appeared to be unbeatable. Beatable. He was on, in their eyes, from, uh, from a distance, he looked like this unbeatable force. But in fact, his great size, all that armor that he was wearing, he thought was going to protect him. All the things that he felt would protect him and make him victorious. All that worldly stuff, okay? And his dependence completely on himself. His total arrogance that no one could defeat him and defying God was his weakness, So he went up against David with all of that. Here's the lesson. This is the lesson I want us to learn. That lesson right there is what I want us to learn. The giants in our lives are not what they seem most of the time. They're not what they seem. And I'll tell you something else. They're not what they seem and they totally underestimate you. And you underestimate yourself as well, but they totally underestimate you. The kinds of obstacles that we face in our lives are often not nearly as insurmountable and and unbelievable and overwhelming as they appear to be at first blush. You, you know, you're in a financial difficulty right now and you think it's just insurmountable. It just can't be. It's a giant that you could never, you can't defeat this giant. Yes, you can. It's not as insurmountable and unbeatable as you think. You have God on your side. That emotional difficulty you're stressing about and you're dealing with that giant from the past that keeps on coming back and packing gives you that emotional tension and you can't over... You can. We've created sometimes these giants in our lives that are unbeatable. We look at them from a distance. We, we see them from a distance and we think, this is impossible. This is an opponent that cannot be defeated, but they can be defeated. A giant can be slain. Listen to me. The giants in your life can be slain particularly by those who are filled with the spirit of the living God. If you're filled with the spirit of the living God, the giant is going to go down. You need to face them. 
in unorthodox ways sometimes, but you need to face them. And those giants will go down. They will fall. It's unlikely that any one of us is ever going to have to fight a real giant like Goliath. You may have to fight some big human or some animal, whatever, some day in your life that could happen. But the reality is most of us are not going to have to take on some ferocious giant in our lives like David did. But it is highly likely that we are all going to, if you have not already, you're going to face the common giants in our lives, which are financial problems and relational problems and marriage problems and work problems and problems that keep you from fulfilling the dream that God has for your life, the goals that God has for your life. Those giants are real, and those giants are there, and those are the giants that we have to deal with. You think they're insurmountable, my friends, but they're not. None of them are insurmountable when you have the Spirit of God on your side. In this story, in 1 Samuel chapter 17, David actually had to fight four other giants before he gets to Goliath. These weren't physical giants. These were the giants of his mind. Four giants that David had to confront before he deals with Goliath. And these are far more likely you're going to face these giants, because you are going to, than some giant like Goliath in your life. First, there is actually quite a delay between the... And you remember when Samuel came and he anointed David to be king? There's quite a delay between the time that Samuel anointed David to be king and the fulfillment of David's dream years later. Quite a distance, okay? Quite a delay. So the first giant that we face in our lives is the delay. Being held back, if you will. Sometimes we're, we're held back. No dream, no dream is fulfilled instantly. God gives us a dream one day, but he doesn't come along 24 hours later and fulfill that dream in our lives. No dream is fulfilled instantly, okay? It comes years later. And here's the thing. There's a waiting period. There's a waiting period. But during that waiting period, think of David. David was told, you know, go tend the sheep. But during that waiting period before he became king, what did he learn while he was a shepherd? Hmm, what skill did he learn that he was going to use later on in his life, right? Think about it. He comes off the, comes off the field, taking care of his sheep, sees Goliath, goes, wait a second. Look at this. Hey, buddy, can you imagine? He's probably standing back with his sling going, hey, big boy, stand right about there. Because Goliath's like, oh, you come over here, right? Can't really move that fast. A slinger can hit a bird in flight, and Goliath's standing there saying, come over here. And David's like, wait a second, Goliath, move a little bit to your right, right? God, David used what he learned in that waiting period to fulfill what God has for his life, and so do we. He, in David's case, though, this is in your case as well sometimes, in David's case, it was his father who was holding him back. Let me read you portions of 12 through 15, verses 12 through 15. Now, David was the youngest of Jesse's eight sons. His three older brothers enlisted in Saul's army, but David was held back, was held back to care for the sheep in Bethlehem. You think, what a bummer. I want to go out and do it right now. I don't see why if I'm anointed, why can't I? I want to be king now. And David's father held him back, which wasn't the right thing to do. But God uses those times when we're held back, even by people around us, 
to strengthen us, to help us become the person. All things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. All things, even things that people mean for your harm, can be turned around and God can use them for your good. So the first barrier to your dreams is this. We are going to have people in our lives that try to hold us back. God has a plan for your life, but other people have a plan for your life too. And when God's plan interferes with their plan for your life, they try to hold you back. And we'll talk about that a little more in a couple minutes. The second giant is discouragement. Discouragement. You will face discouragement in your life. You will face discouragement because every, when you say, you come up and say, I have this, this I feel like God's calling me to do. You'll face discouragement because everyone around you, everyone around you is scared to death. They're absolutely scared to death. Nobody thinks that it can be done. Nobody thinks that you can do it. Nobody thinks that you can defeat this giant. Well, you've got to be kidding. You are going to do what? You're going to, and they're going to give you discouragement. They're going to give you the five reasons why you shouldn't do it, the pros and cons list, and all these kinds of things. And they're going to discourage you from doing what God has called you to do. Because they're all convinced. They've all convinced each other, if you will, that no one is capable of making a difference in this area. You, wanna, you say, well, I really want to reach out to this group of kids over here in this, in this foreign country because they're being, you know, the, the trafficking that's going on. And, oh, you know, it's going to happen. It's just gonna be, you're never going to do anything about it and all this kind of stuff. So why bother wasting your life with it? They're going to say it's impossible to do anything about it. And certainly you're not going to do anything about it. If I'm not capable, you're not capable. And so what could you possibly do? Here's the deal. Here's what's happened to them, just like what happened to the Israelites. Goliath, Goliath created a spirit of fear amongst the Israelites. There was a spirit of fear, a climate of fear in Israel. And everyone concluded that this is a battle that cannot be won. We look from a distance, this guy is too big, he's too fierce, it's impossible. And they concluded that they could not win this battle. Verses 8 through 10. It says this, each day Goliath would stand and shout at the ranks of Israel's army. Why do you come out here and line up for battle? Choose one man to fight me. If he's able to kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I kill him, you'll become our subjects and serve us. Listen, day after day, Goliath taunted them saying, this day I defy the ranks of Israel. When Saul and the Israelites heard this, everyone was deeply shaken and paralyzed with fear. Have you ever been in a situation where the people around you were saying, it's hopeless? It's just the whole, the whole situation is hopeless. It can't get done. We can't get it done in time. It's just not going to work. And it's hopeless. See, the problem is that Israel was listening to the wrong voice. They were listening to the wrong voice. This is what it says in, in, in verse 16. It says this, For 40 days, twice a day, morning and evening, the Philistine giant loudly berated the Israelite army. Have you ever been berated in your life? Some of you say, yep, know exactly what you're talking about. As soon as you say that, you, you, you're, you start to well up emotionally inside because you know what it's like to be berated by someone, some giant, a teacher, or even your parents or something where someone has berated you. You know what happens when someone berates you like that? It, 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 it does something to you. It has a profound impact on your life. Every one of us can remember when that person sat down or someone said, and they just berated you. You'll never, and you, if you, how can you think that you're going to, or just made you feel like less than? 
when you get berated, here's the question that may have happened in the past, but God can help you overcome it. The question I have for you is, who are you listening to now? That's what matters. Who are you listening to now? Are you listening to the word of God? Are you spending time with God in prayer? Are you listening to the spirit of God speak to your heart? Who are you listening to now? Telling you what you can and cannot do. Who are you choosing to listen to? Let me tell you something. If you listen to negative people, guess what? You're going to become negative. Let me give you a little advice here. Don't hang out with fearful people or you'll become fearful. Do not hang out with bitter people or you'll become bitter. Don't hang out with cowards or you'll become a coward. Don't hang out with gossips or you'll become a gossip. It is very contagious. It's very contagious. If you hang out with negative, bitter, fearful people, you're going to become a negative, bitter, bitter, fearful person. Goliath was berating them constantly and taking down their, their emotional state. David didn't listen to Goliath. You notice that? He got ticked. He was hearing Goliath run off at the mouth and David's like, can someone just get a few rocks for me? I'll shut this guy up. I know who I am. I know who God has called me to be. I know my destiny. And it's not. It is not to be berated by whoever berated you. It is not to be pushed back into a corner by the person pushing you back in the corner. It's not to be belittled by someone who chooses to belittle you. And the person who did that in your past is just a liar. It's a lie from the pit of hell. Okay? All that they told you are lies when they berated you. Lies and lies. Stop living your lies and start living what God has called you to be and God has called you to do. This God's word is truth. Everything else is a lie. If you've been berated by someone and that's what's holding you back, if that's the giant in your life, get out your sling, get out your staff and knock it down with the power of God working through you. Knock that force down. There's a third dream buster and I call it the giant of disapproval. Oh man, here we go, right? The giant of disapproval. David had to be willing, listen, David had to be willing in order to fulfill his dream, in order to reach his goals. David had to be willing to face the disapproval of the people all around him. If he was going to fulfill what God had for him, he had to be willing to face the disapproval of others. And so will you. So will you. Can't get around it. Can't get around it. You're going to have to face the disapproval of the people around you. Here's the problem. The reason why most of us don't go after our dreams is because we're afraid of disapproval. We're afraid of being rejected. If you're afraid of disapproval and you're afraid of being rejected, you will not fulfill your goals. You will not fulfill your dreams because people will always be there in the way to stop you and tell you why something cannot be done or why you particularly can't do it. Why you don't have the strength or the power to do it. Because they're afraid of disapproval. And they're afraid of being rejected. And that's why they're not fulfilling what God has called them to do. In this case, it was David's own brother. Listen, that questioned the poor guy's motives and told him, disapproved of him going against Goliath. He disapproved of it. Listen to this conversation in verses 28 and 29. It basically, here's, here's basically what his brother says. Why are you even here anyway? Why aren't you taking care of your scorny little sh- your flock of sheep, you little cocky brat? I know how, con- this is what he says to him. I know how conceited you are. Oh, really? You know the guy's motives? You know how conceited he is. I know how conceited you are. You're so conceited. 
You, why would you be here in the first place? What have I done, said David? Can I even ask a question? See, here's the sad truth. Sometimes people in your own family, it's people in your own family that don't want you to accomplish God's dream for you. Why? Maybe it's envy. Maybe it's jealousy. Maybe because they think they know you better than you know yourself. Maybe because they grew up with you and they've seen your weaknesses and they've seen your flaws and that you're the black sheep or whatever you want to call it. In the past, you've done all these things. And so they know your weaknesses. But what this, this is what they do not know. This is what they do not understand. And I don't even care if it's a Christian who's saying it to you. What they don't know is the power of God in your life. They don't know the strength that you have received from Jesus Christ and the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. They don't know how God's going to work in your life. They don't know you as well as God knows you. I don't care if you're the black sheep. I don't care what you did in your past. That doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. Here, someone on the way out says, you know what? I've been the giant before. I said, wow, good point. Hey, guess what? Hey, put a, take your finger right now. Put it up like this. Put it up, put it up. Now point at yourself. Sometimes you're the giant. We're not always the good guy. Sometimes we say things and do things to other people that keep them in their place, right? It's wrong. It's completely wrong. You don't know what God has called someone else to do. You don't know what they're capable of. They've been beaten up. They've been belittled. They've been berated by other people all their lives, maybe. They've gone through horrible circumstances and they've done some terrible things. But you know what? That's not the end of their story. Their story is not over and God is the one who writes the final chapter of my life, not anyone else. Not your life, not my life. Don't listen to them. Do not listen to them. There's a fourth dream buster that David had to face before he faced Goliath. And that's the giant of doubt. Oh man, here's another one. Am I capable of this? Do I I have what it takes? Am I up to this task? Can I actually do what God is asking me to do? Can I pull this off? There will always be people in your life to tell you you can't. Always. Always. There are always going to be people who tell you the answer to the question is no, you can't. In David's camp, in David's case, it was the experts, all the experts. David comes and says, hey, listen, king, I'll take care of this problem for you. He goes to the expert. The expert is King Saul, who's an amazing warrior, been fighting all of his life. He's an expert. So David comes to him. David basically says to him, hey, Saul, don't worry about it. This is, this is uh, in verses uh, 20, 32 and 33. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about a thing, David told the king. I'll fight this Philistine. David wasn't cocky. David was a man of faith because God knew, David knew that God was on his side. He, wasn't, he didn't have a, a bad attitude. He didn't have the wrong motives. He knew God was on his side. That's what he did. He didn't think he was a one in a million shot. David didn't think he was the underdog. David wasn't the prey. David was the predator. And that was his attitude because he had the spirit of the living God in him. But here's the expert's response. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no, there's no way you can go against this bill. No way. It's impossible. What are you, a dope? You're, you're only a boy. You're only a boy. You're only a boy. You're only a girl. You're too old. You're too young. You're not smart enough. You're not as smart as your sister. Without blah, 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 blah. Okay, all the uh, experts. You're only a boy, and he has been a professional warrior all his life. When the experts tell you it can't be done, forget him. When the experts say you can't do it, 
That is enough sometimes for you to start doubting yourself, but don't. Don't doubt yourself. Because let me tell you, after 50, almost 52 years of life, the experts are, experts are often wrong. Let me tell you something. They're many times wrong. I'm not going to say always, because they're not, because experts and everything, and there's a lot of right people. But they are many times wrong about politics. Just watch the news. Holy mackerel. They're wrong about politics. They're wrong about business. They're wrong about relationships. And they're wrong about life. First, determine if God is calling you to do it. Once you've come to the realization that God has called you to do it, then go and follow God. Ignore the experts. Seek the advice of people, but only those who want to help you fulfill what God, you know, what God has called you to do. Seek people's advice. Seek the wisdom of others, but only in the fact that they're going to help you do what God has called you to do. Pick up your staff, grab your little bag of rocks, and go and face the giants. You can do this. Together as the body of Christ, one locking arms together, we can do this. Stand up, if you will, and just grab the person's hand next to you, even if it's sweaty. There are four other things that I want to teach you this morning, but I can't. And I, I didn't even write them down because I knew, I, I knew my time would be up right now. But here's what I want to do. I want to share with you four things that David did to defeat the giants. Here are the doubt and delay, all these things. How did David, what did David do to defeat those giants? There's four other things I want to share with you. I'm going to do that through this week with Pastor Jeff, that new email that I'm sending out. I'm going to lay out those four things in that email. I'd like you to have that as a devotional this week. Read through that. You can overcome the giants in your life, whatever they are. They will not beat you. It's just a fact waiting to happen. You just need to remember who you are, the experiences that God has given you, who he's designed you to be, and most of all, that you have the resurrected Christ living in you. Nothing can stand in your way. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And not only that, God will do immeasurably more than all you could ever ask or imagine. So when you dream and you have goals, God will do even more than you can ask or imagine. Slay the giants. Take them down. Don't fight on their terms. Don't fight their fight. Fight the fight that God has designed you to fight. Be creative. Be unorthodox. Be out in the box. Get people around you and fulfill what God has called you to do. Let's pray. God, as we hold hands here this morning, we do that as a, as a sign of oneness of unity. And we pray, dear God, that we would not be the giants in someone else's life, that we would support them, that we would encourage them, that we would come around them, that we would give them honest and loving and compassionate advice to help them become the person that you have created them to be. Let us be honest, Lord God, with each other, but let us do it in a, in a way that is loving and compassionate. Let us, let us push each other forward to become your people, God, allow us the privilege of facing the giants in our lives, not alone, not alone, but with the gifts and talents and abilities that you have given to us, but not alone, but with you by our side, with you living in us, with you going before us and locking arms, Lord God, that we would do it together, that we would fight this battle together. In Jesus' precious and holy name, amen. Have a great week.